welcome to K2 this morning. Hope you guys are all uh, alert and awake and ready for this today. I had a pretty depressing week as I planned for this. Um, last Sunday, the Vikings lost in the playoffs. It was very sad. Being 100% Norwegian from Viking blood and growing up in Minnesota, it was a pretty depressing week for me. But hopefully, um, we'll get have a much happier day today. We can always start next year, can't we? All right, here we go. Conversation starters. Today we're going to start a conversation, and then you guys get to continue that conversation throughout this day and throughout this week. And um, uh, in the last year, the management team has been talking about our top five initiatives and we were praying and discussing and praying and discussing and looking at God's word together and just going, what does God want to do at K2 The Church? What do we think would be the top things that God really wants to do here to make us a, a community of, of believers that are walking together? And we came up with five initiatives. And if you know them, you can say them along with me. The first one is walking alone. You remember that one from last week? Really made an impact, I can tell. Okay, um, today we're talking about walking together. The next one is walking south, uh, launching our south campus. We'll be talking about that in the next few weeks. Walking tall, which is leadership development, and walking in circles, which just sounds silly, but um, it's not as silly as it sounds, okay? Top five initiatives. And the first initiative we're talking about today is walking, or the second initiative is walking together. And uh, I was thinking about the word initiative. What is an initiative? I looked up the definition, and it's a strategy. It's a strategy intended to resolve a difficulty or improve a situation, a fresh approach to something. And so as we're looking at these five initiatives, we don't want them to just be K2's five initiatives and we post them on the wall and say we're done. But we want them to actually be as a church, as a group of people that we are actually living these top five initiatives. And the word initiative comes from the word initiate. And there's nothing, there is no initiative taken unless somebody initiates something. You can initiate a conversation with somebody, but we first have to initiate, and we're talking a lot about that today as well. So if walking together is going to happen, you and I both are going to have to initiate some things this year. And we're going to talk about that today. A lot of studies have been done on uh, community and people feeling part of a community and loneliness. And George Gallup has done a lot of polls. And, and George Gallup writes this. He says that Americans are some of the most lonely people in the world. And when you think about it, I don't know why we are. Every time we're anywhere, we're surrounded by people. Today, Right now, where you are, you're surrounded by people. You go to the grocery store, you're surrounded by people. You go to the gym, you're surrounded by people. You go to school, you're surrounded by people. You go to work, you're surrounded by people. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by people, yet we continue to have this problem of feeling alone, like we're not connected to the community that we are surrounded by. There's a, a festival in Nevada called the Burning Man Festival. I've become aware of this recently. Anyone ever heard about the Burning Man Festival? Okay. Anybody been to the Burning Man Festival? Oh, excellent. Then you can help me out here. All right. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it, but I guess around Labor Day for about a week, about 45,000 people 
go out to Nevada where there's a dried up lake bed and there's nothing there and they build a community with each other and they share things together and they do things together and um, I guess it's artists, musicians, bohemians, punks, taggers, which I have no idea what that is, but anyways, that's what they say, rappers, uh, artists, and they all journey to this 107 degree hot, desolate place to build a community amongst themselves. And people say that what they experience there is acceptance and community and God and redemption and atonement. In short, they tell us that when they go there, they experience things that they don't experience in their own community or even in their own church experience. They experience belonging, survival, empowerment, celebration, community. And at the very end, they make this giant tower of a man and they burn him. And I guess it's over after that. I don't know. So I was trying to wrap my mind around this. What does this really mean? And so here's what I think it really means, the Burning Man Festival. And if those of you who have been there don't agree, well, you can tell me later. But anyways, here we go. From my understanding, it's a place where people leave their communities from all over the world to make a home in a dried-up lake bed in Nevada in order to live in community with a bunch of strangers for a week so that they can experience real community because they don't feel like they're experiencing real community in the context of their own community. Does that make any sense? That's what people are looking for. They're so hungry for community that they'll actually go somewhere where it's desolate and be with strangers just to have community, just to feel being a part of something. Before we go on, I have to reveal a secret about myself, okay? Now, I don't normally say this publicly, and, and some of you may have a hard time believing this, but I am not perfect. I know that some of you that is closest to me, you're like, don't understand why I would ever say that, but I am not perfect. Is anyone perfect? No? Is the person sitting next to you perfect? Okay, all right. So I feel like to get us... Get us going today. We can have a time of public confession. So turn to somebody in a second here and say, tell them I'm not perfect. Okay, ready? Go. All right. Does everyone feel better about themselves? Does everyone feel better about the person sitting next to you now knowing that they're not perfect? And when we looked at this, we look at this video, this, this guy wanted to have a small group where everybody thought like him so there'd be no conflict or anything. And the only person he could find that thought just like him was him, right? And then in the very end, he realizes all these people that he really didn't want to do life with and he thought they would show up and they would ruin his small group and all this stuff. Those are the very people that he needed to be a part of if he was going to be part of a group, part of a community. Now, when God creates us, he creates us to be either introverted or extroverted. You guys know what that means, right? And sometimes introverts get a bad rap. So um, I'm just going to explain to you how someone explained this to me, and it really helped me to understand what this meant. Pretend you have a battery inside of you, okay? And that's a, it's like a rechargeable battery. And it charges, and then it 
discharges energy and then recharges energy. And so for an extrovert, being around people is what gives them energy. It's like the battery charger. It charges their battery. But for an extrovert, to be alone is a complete battery drainer. So it drains their energy. So they need to be recharged. So they go find people and they, and they get around people, and that recharges them. For the introvert, it's the exact opposite. An introvert is recharged, their battery is recharged by being alone. Okay? And extroverts don't understand that, but it's true. And by being alone, their battery is charged. But when they're with people, their energy is drained from that battery, and it needs to be recharged. So what does an introvert do? They go try to find a place of quiet and solace to get away and to be alone. And when God created me, he created me to be an introvert. Well, thanks a lot. And then he called me into ministry. Uh, And that has to do with being around people, usually strangers or strange people. Um, And so uh, it has been very hard for me. It's been very hard for me to sometimes be connected or feel connected in community with other believers or other people. When I was a kid, I was so shy, I could not talk to a stranger. I could not. I, I, if I was stuck with a stranger, I would just lock up. Now I had a group of friends, and, and when I was with my friends, I was just fine. I, I could do whatever, talk about whatever, do whatever. But if you remove me from my group of friends, and you put me in a group of strangers, phew, I would completely lock up. I wouldn't know what to do. And this followed me into college and into adulthood, and and. I'm like, okay, God, I'm supposed to be with people, but I don't really like being with people, and I don't understand this. And so I've had to grow and be stretched, and I've had to learn how to interact with people, and I've had to learn what it meant to to make friends from strangers. And then he moves me all around so that I'm in a different place all the time, right? And so I've had to learn to do that in different places. And when I was first out of uh, ministry school, I went to a place called Maryville, Missouri. Anyone been to Maryville, Missouri? Yes, uh, you, you have not. Well, it's not a real great vacation place. They do have a, uh, um, a hotel. You know, it's a show-me state, so they have a hotel there called the Show-Me Inn. Get it? That's about the most excitement that happens there in uh, that whole town. But... I had a hard time connecting in, within community because I had some uh, unmet expectations. I guess that's what we could call them. Um, my expectation was that I would be really good buddies with the, with the lead pastor. I was invited to become on staff as, as one of the youth pastors, and I would be part of this really close relationship with my lead pastor, and that didn't happen. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm ministering to these kids and these teenagers. And I thought, these, the parents would just love me because I'm loving on their kids. And they would accept me. And they didn't like anything we ever did with the youth ministry. And so I felt very disconnected. And I was, uh, for a year, working there and living there and going, I just don't, I, I don't fit into this culture. Everybody here knows each other. They've lived here for the last 200 years. They're all related. They're all married to their relations. They're all, you know, it was a weird place altogether. 
And I thought, what am I going to do? I, I just don't feel connected at all with these people. So I decided, after about a year, I'm like, I have got to take initiative. I have got to do it. Instead of waiting around for somebody to invite me into their community, invite me into their group of friends, invite me into their family, I have to take initiative and do it myself. And so I began to do that. And as I was, as I was leading a, a Bible study, I got to know a guy named John, and, and we became really good friends. And then there was this young couple, and they were going to school there, college there. And so I, uh, I invited DJ to come and, and serve alongside of me in our youth group. And we developed this great relationship and friendship, and we still get Christmas cards from them, and now their kids are growing. They're living outside of St. Louis, and it's great. We had a spare bedroom in our, in our house, so uh, we invited a couple different college students and, and students to stay with us at times, so we got to know Kevin, and then, uh, and then Shannon came and stayed with us for a little bit, and then Kevin and Shannon got married, and that was really cool, and now they... Now they're in ministry together, and, and uh, they keep in, in touch with us as well. And then we, I said, oh, I even want more. So I decided that we would start a church softball team, and we got to even know more friends. And the thing about most of us that, that became this community who really loved on each other and cared for each other and supported one another and grew in Christ together, the thing about it was none of us were from that community. <laughs> that we lived in, the very town that we lived in. We were all outsiders who had come in for whatever reason. And we, had for, we formed this community of care and love and concern for one another um, because all of us came in there with unmet expectations. And uh, God just did something great in us and through us. So I came up with a definition for the Christian community uh, or community of believers, and so it's probably not a very good definition, but I'll try it out today, and you guys can help me with this, okay? But I came up with this. It said, the Christian community is a place where people who are walking with Jesus care for each other, support one another, serve together, and give grace to one another as they walk through life's ups and downs together. So that was my first shot. How did I do? Okay, all right. Whew. All right, three of you said it was good. That's, good. That's a consensus for me. All right. We're going to look a lot at Romans chapter 12 today. It's a great passage. If you want to write it down in your program, if you want to look at this, this is a great passage about what it means to walk together. Not just walking alone, you and Jesus, but walking together. And in verse 4, it says this. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Wow. And I thought about this. Each member belongs to all the others. So if you are walking in Christ, if you are walking with Christ, you are a member of his body, and you belong to all the others. Think about that. So you belong to me. Kind of cool, huh? You have to do whatever I say, okay? No, that's not true. It's mutual, though. You belong to me. I belong to you. 
The person sitting down the road from you belongs to you, and you belong to them. It is a mutual, a mutual working together of these different parts of the body of Christ. Each of us belongs to one another. In John chapter 15, uh, Jesus gives this illustration of, of who the Father and who He is and who we are in relationship to each other. And Jesus says, my Father is the gardener. We all know what a gardener is. And Jesus says, and I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay connected to me, I'll stay connected to you. And if you remain in my love, I'll you'll remain in my love, you will bear much fruit, spiritual fruit that will last forever. So here, this is the walking alone piece, the walking with Jesus, right? Okay? It's not talking about walking with others. It's just talking about being connected to Christ. And, and what he says what God will do is he'll, he'll cut off the branches that aren't, aren't doing so well, and, and, and he'll prune you, and he'll make you grow even more, and you'll, you'll bear more, much more fruit. But you got to stay connected to me. And that's why that's our number one initiative is our personal adventure, our walking alone with Jesus, because Jesus said, you've got to have this. You've got to be connected to me, okay? I am the vine. You are the branches. You bear the fruit. And my Father, he takes care to make sure. And if you're not connected to the vine, man, you're going to dry up and wither like any branch that would be disconnected from its plant. But what are the... What is the ultimate result that Jesus wants from our connectedness to Jesus, to the vine? What is the ultimate result? That's where we're going today. So I'm going to just read these last verses that are um, a part of this section. So he talks about the vine and the branches. And then in verse 9 of chapter 15, Jesus says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands, and I remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Oh, that's a huge command. Greater love has no one than this that he lay his life down for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everyone, everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you everything that you ask for in my name. But this is my command, that you love each other. The result of being connected to Christ is not for, so it can be a relationship between you and Jesus alone. Some people stop at that. It's me and Jesus and I, everyone else can kind of do their own thing, but it's just me and Jesus. That is not where Jesus wants us to end. It's you and Jesus and then, wow, you love each other. You go outside of, of yourself. You go outside of your relationship with Christ. And you go and build relationships with others. So we're going to talk about three aspects of community today. 
And the first aspect of community is kind of like what we saw in the video, except for a little better, but it's growing in Christ. So the question is for you, are you growing in Christ in the context of relationship with others? Not just your own personal time with Jesus, your Bible reading, your prayer, but are you growing in relationship with Christ in the context of other believers? Are you both giving and receiving from that relationship? That's a good question as well. And remember what, what we read earlier, we belong to each other. So both giving and receiving has to happen in that relationship. So if we go back to Romans chapter 12, and we look at verse 9, it says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. You know, people can be sincere about love, and they can be insincere about love. You probably have experienced someone giving you insincere, Oh, I love you, man. I love you, man. And they'll stab you in the back the next day, right? Or, I'm so in love with you, but now I'm in love with him. <laughs> and so I'm no longer in love with you. That's not very sincere, is it, at all? Love must be sincere. It has to start with sincere love that says, from the heart, man, I, I don't know how to love you, but if Jesus is in me and, and I'm walking with him, that means I have also got to share that love and, and that love with you. Be devoted. Man, people are devoted to their jobs. They're devoted to their families. They're, they're devoted to their kids. They're devoted to their hobbies. But what, is, what does this word say today? It says, be devoted to one another and brotherly love. Wouldn't you love to be in a place where you are honored above everyone else? But it says this, Honor one another above yourselves. Look at every single person and say, I'm going to honor them. Man, when you get honored, oh, it's the best feeling in the world. When you get honored for doing a great job, you get a raise, you get a bonus, you, you get a trophy for winning the tournament. What a great feeling. And we can give that feeling to other people when we honor them above honoring our own self. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another out of love. Serve one another in love. The Bible teaches us that we have this freedom in Christ. Christ set us free from our sinful nature, free from those desires of ourselves. But... He said he didn't set you free so you can go back to that stuff that already put you in bondage. No, he set you free so you can put your life into another, serve other people. When we talk about small groups or life together groups where we learn from each other, and we call this our, one of our initiatives is to walk together, it is vitally important to our life, and our spiritual growth. We have a great story uh, from Lisa. Lisa is a member of K2, the church. She's also on part-time staff on our youth, Lisa Scheidt, and uh, some of you may know her. And um, we're just going to invite her on the video screen. She's going to share with us her story of how she grew together 
in relationship, in the context of a relationship with others. Let's take a look at this. I was raised in a family where we basically went to church on holidays. So like Christmas, Easter, New Year's, like the big ones. Um, my parents talked about God, they got us Bibles, but I guess as, as a teenager I wasn't interested at all. I had my own idea of what I wanted to do. So I knew of a God, but I had no relationship with God. I didn't come to Christ till I was 20 actually. And uh, it was right before um, I met my husband. That's how I ended up in Utah. I came to Christ a weekend before I met my husband who lived in Utah. And I started K2 and Candace Kugler actually invited me to a precepts Bible study class. And that would, I'd say, was the start. I got to meet amazing women, women who loved the Lord, who were following the Lord, but knew so much, so much about God. And that's when I realized I loved this Jesus man, and I wanted to give my life to Jesus, and I wanted to obey him, and I wanted to be a follower of Christ, but I really had no idea who I was following. That was the beginning for me of realizing how important it was to be surrounded by others who really knew the Lord, who held you accountable to, are you in God's word? You know, have you been reading? Have you been studying? You know, what, what's going on in, in your life? And somebody else reads the Bible and the word is living and God speaks to them and they share that with you. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. I've read that verse and I totally missed that. I never even got that connection. And how cool is that, you know, or, or people praying. And, God speaking through them and getting to hear his words and just knowing that, wow, God spoke through her so I could hear that today. You know, that was him loving on me through her. So I think, yeah, it's huge. It's huge that you're in community with people or maybe your growth would come, but slowly, I don't know. I just can't see how you do it without others. My husband and I are leading a, the Love and Respect small group at our house and it's been really neat because we've actually had people who have just joined the group because they go to K2 and they just wanted to get connected. And then we have people who aren't coming to K2 who don't know the Lord, you know, who are in our small groups. And why else would they want to do a small group but to have community? I mean, God just puts that in us that we want to be with people. We want to do life with people. It's been nice to, to be there for other people, you know, to open my house now to let other people come in and learn about Christ. I know when I come to church on Sundays and I just come and I sit and I listen to a message and then I leave, it's so different than when I come to church on Sunday and I see the people who I'm close to that I'm doing studies with or that I'm serving side by side with or the parents of the kids that I'm trying to love on every week. It, it's, I, I really can't imagine doing it without other Christians. It's just been the closest way of getting to Christ here on earth. You know, after, after seeing that Lisa's story, and I, I know Lisa, and so I've heard her say some of these different things before, but first of all, what if somebody did not take initiative to invite her into their community, you know? What if Candace had never said, hey, Lisa, why don't you come into this group and, and, and hang out with us and, and study God's word with us? And that might have been a different result to the end of her story. Or what if she had been invited, but she's, she didn't take the initiative to actually go there? She's like, yeah, fine, I know small groups are good for you, and whatever. Or I don't want to be around a bunch of people who know the Bible better than me, because I'm just going to look stupid and dumb, and I, I, don't want to, I don't want that to happen to me at all. And, and we have a lot of excuses and things, but 
Um, I just think it's very cool how she went from just being invited, having really no understanding of what, what God wanted to do in her life, who this relationship with Jesus is, to now she's leading one of these Life Together groups. And not only people from K2, but people from her neighborhood who just are looking for community and looking to, to better their marriage through this love and respect group are coming and they're hearing about what God uh, wants uh, to see in their lives. So I wonder if we would really make the effort to grow in Christ in the context of relationship with others, what could happen in our own lives? What could happen in my life and your life? But just being part of small groups is not the, the end all in community. It's not the, the whole story of being involved in community. Uh, the second aspect we were talking about today is the aspect of serving together. So the question is, are you serving together with someone else here at K2 or within, within your community uh, in order to meet the needs of others? In Romans chapter 12, we're going back there, and it says this in, in verse 11 through 13. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And I was just, I was thinking about this, and this is not a, this is not the Apostle Paul writing to one person and saying, okay, you as an individual never be lacking in zeal. You never, as an individual, be, uh, keep, you keep your spiritual fervor. You serve the Lord. He's saying this to everyone in Rome who says they're a believer. He says, you as a group of people don't lose your zeal. You keep up your spiritual fervor. And I was thinking about these, these uh, qualities that he's talking about. I was thinking, these are the kind of people I want to be around, right? You want to be around people who are never lacking in zeal. Now, we don't use the word zeal a lot, but enthusiastic people, right? Don't we like to be around enthusiastic people? Or do we like to be around Debbie Downer? <laughs> right? All right? And we love to be around enthusiastic people. In fact, I believe that it really is the reason why the next president of the United States, I don't know what your political affiliation is, but I, I believe that why the next president of the United States is going to be Barack Obama, because that guy never lacks in zeal, right? He is always enthusiastic, right? Change we can believe in. Come on, people. And people flocked like they've never been before. And, inv- and so we want to be around enthusiastic people, people who make us feel good, people who do that. Serving the Lord. Man, you, be, you get around people who are serving God together, those are the people I love to hang out with and be around. Be joyful. You like to be around joyful people? I would think you would instead of morbid people, right? All right? Would you rather be around someone who's patient or somebody who's impatient? You'd rather be around a patient person, wouldn't you? I mean, seriously. You know, or somebody who's faithful in prayer. Do you like to be around people who like to share? Yeah? People have shared with you things that you probably would never have experienced or never had before in your life, and they share with you, and you're like, well, they didn't have to share with me, but they're sharing with me, right? Right? They're giving me something I didn't have. 
They're letting me experience this. And so I think God knew this. He think God knew that people would like to be around enthusiastic people and joyful people and patient people and people who, who love to share and people who practice hospitality, that people would love to be around these kind of people. And then he says to us, be that kind of people. Come on. Let's do this together. Let's be this. And then, oh, people will know. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward, good, toward love and good deeds. You guys all, you're, we're all from the West. We know what a spur is, right? Right? You hook it to the back of your boot, and when your horse isn't going fast enough, you, you kick him, right? And it gets his attention, doesn't it? And he goes faster, right? That's what a spur is used for. And here, the, here in God's Word, it, it says that we're supposed to consider how we may spur one another. Now think about that. Who would you like to spur today? All right? Who would you like to get your boot on and just go, Whoa, come on, Bessie! Let's move faster. All right? Now, please, don't harm one another, Okay? But think about this, that, that here God's saying, think about how you can encourage somebody, encourage them to do good deeds and to live a life of love. Because, wow, wouldn't that be an incredible thing for people to see? I'm going to invite my friend Peter up here, and we're just going to talk and let you in on our conversation. Let's, would you please give Mr. Peter Holm a round of applause? So in illustrating a um, serving together, Peter and I are just going to share a little bit of our experience and Peter's experience with me. <laughs> now, be truthful, okay? All right, here we go. Okay. So I, when I first met Peter, I was interviewing his wife to be our preschool director, and we had put an ad out for that. And at the time, Peter and Tammy were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they had felt a call. Am I correct? You yes, felt sir. a call by God to move to Salt Lake City. And how many people did you know in Salt Lake City at the time where God said, I want you to go there? We didn't know anyone here. You didn't know anyone? No. Not a single person? No. Any contacts? Well, my wife, my mom has a cousin here that I emailed at one point, but no real contact. Okay. So... So here you feel this call to come to Salt Lake City, and you know nobody. You're not part of the community. You're not part of a neighborhood. You're not part of even the Christian community. You don't even know another Christian that yeah. lives in Salt Lake. And, uh, but you decided you were going to come no matter what, even if the thing didn't work out with uh, hiring Tammy as a preschool director, which we did, and she's doing an incredible job. I Absolutely. love it. Um, but uh, you came here without knowing anyone. And I got an email from Tammy, which led to you guys coming up here, and you were doing a job interview for another company, and you guys were both up here. And we took advantage of that here at K2 to, to interview you as well. And um, so we, have, we found out we have a lot in common. So we're, mm -hmm. we're both Scandinavian. I'm Swedish, and he's Norwegian, so you know who's the better one. <laughs> okay. All right. It's never going to end. We're both, we're both blonde and good-looking. Blonde and good-looking? 
<laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Okay. <laughs> we, both, we both went to school for ministry. We both have young kids. Now, I have two, and Peter's more soon fertile than me. Four. He's soon to be four. Okay. Uh, Tammy's due date is January 23rd, so look out, okay? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we got number four coming here, and we're really excited about that. But it's interesting because I was thinking about the possibilities of Peter and my relationship. Like, this is, we've only known each other for less than nine months, okay? And I feel like we're really good mm -hmm. friends right now. But I was thinking about the possibility of what our relationship could have been. You know, we did invite Tammy to come on staff, and she's the preschool director. But really, there, there might have been two or three occasions outside of just a Sunday morning church that Peter and I may have rubbed shoulders together, gotten to know each other, you know, a staff event or something like that. But instead of waiting for those things to happen, Peter jumped right on board. We were doing our building project. We were, we were building the preschool and um, it was the middle of last summer, and uh, you just jumped on board. Tell a little bit about that experience. Well, first when I got here and I saw what needed to be done and the way it looked, I thought, if Dave is going to do this, it's not going to happen, so i got to help him a little bit. <laughs> uh, but more seriously, it's, Dave did an awesome job, and he is the kind of person that he was just mentioning. He is patient, and he uh, is joyful. And I thought, if there's someone that I want to get to know, this is the man. And of course, I did see a need that because we weren't that many people working there. But it was, I wanted to get plugged in. And Dave was an awesome person to plug in with. And he has really helped me to, he has ushered me into this community in an awesome way. Well, thank you. I don't know if You're that's welcome. all true, but thank you. Well, I, I told you to tell only the truth today. So It is the truth. Okay. That was the truth. So I, I tend to be a personality that's very... Uh, project-driven. You know any of those people? Psycho people? Um, project-driven. And we had this deadline. The end of August, we had to be done so that our preschool could be in, so they would move out of the second floor and down to the first floor so we'd have more room for our elementary kids. We had this deadline, and I looked at this deadline and go, man, we're going to have to bust it out to make it. We're going to have to be working morning, noon, night, weekends. Just, we're going to have to do this. And so I get very project-focused, so I get on a project, and I could go all day, mm. right? Yeah, you can, but you're, you're forgetting some few essential things. Yes, I'm forgetting a few essential things. And so Peter taught me a, a, a few essential things, okay? Uh, he taught me the first Swedish word I ever learned, which is fika. So he says, when are we going to have a fika? And I'm like, I just went to the bathroom. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> a fika, Dave, in Sweden, it happens twice a day, usually at 10 o'clock in the morning and 3 in the afternoon. And it's, it happens. I mean, if it doesn't happen, something is wrong. Christian, our campus pastor, when he came here, he came up to me and said, Peter, I spent two years in Sweden. If there's something that I miss, it's fika. And what <laughs> it is, it's simply that you stop whatever you're doing and you just hang out together Got something to drink, coffee, tea, or water, whatever you want, and a snack. It is essential. You've got to have it, Dave. I know. And how many fikas did I take? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. In fact, uh, 
Peter would go, when are we going to eat? And I'm like, eat? We don't have time to eat. We got to be done in two months. Got to eat. There's no time to eat, right? But we would stop and we would eat from time to time. And I did learn from you to take a break. And uh, it kind of reminds me of that verse in, in Proverbs 27, 17. Oh. Can you quote that one? Well, iron sharpens iron. And we did a lot of that the whole time we learned from each other. And I guess I taught you a little bit of taking a break. That's right. And he was also in charge of installing all IKEA furniture. Okay? If you want it done, you got Because <laughs> I can't understand those instructions at all. I follow those instructions and everything's inside out when I get done. Okay? So well, I need Peter to help me with IKEA stuff. And I'm sorry that Christian bashed IKEA furniture last well, week. We, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> so again, what was your motivation for serving serving with me as far as what did you learn? What did you get out of it? Where is it where has it led you? You know it I learned a lot from you. We have a lot of things in common. Like you said, we have kids. You taught me things. Being a father, you have been a father much longer than I have. You've been in ministry much longer than I have. You have had a longer time from when you graduated your theology education to today than what I have. So you have taught me a lot on so many areas of my life. And like I said, you got me plugged in. And I need to... Just take a break right now. I'm getting so tired from talking. I'm going to have a little fika. Okay. <laughs> you, brought, you brought a little fika. Yeah, That's and I brought some for you too, Dave. You need this. Okay. And fika actually tastes really good. No matter what is served, it's usually, it usually it's awesome. tastes good. So thank you. I, I did need a break anyway. Yeah. So just drinks, huh? Just, well, no, 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 no. What else? As always, one cookie for Peter. It's usually a few for Dave. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> you don't have to be that truthful, Peter, okay? That's what he said, right? Yeah. Uh, so, this also reminds me that at the end of service today, we're giving everybody a cookie, okay? Are you excited about that? Okay. So, here's the deal. Since today is, we're doing things a little bit different than we normally do, if you have left the building and you haven't yet eaten your cookie, you've left too early, okay? That's, that's the rule, okay, today. So, anyways, just talking about Fika. And, um, you know, Peter is a hard worker. I just want to tell you that. He does work hard. In fact, I worked him one day, and we didn't eat all day, and uh, that, was, that was kind of a nightmare at the end of the day. Um, we'll share that story another time, but <laughs> I left you, I left you hungry hanging at the end of the day, which yeah. I feel really, I feel really bad about. And you still feel bad about it. That's still, how bad it actually was. I still was. feel bad about it. Yeah. But you know, you just coming on and getting to know me has, has led to you. We serve alongside each other in Adventure Canyon from time to time. Um, we serve alongside each other as, as part of the teaching team at the rescue mission. Um, and I, I coordinate the crash course, and you and Tammy have come on, and you've, you've been leading a small group of, in crash course. And so um, from all that, how has that helped you to feel more part of the community? Well, like you said, we came here, and we didn't know anyone. And uh, we weren't part of the Christian community here. But in a sense, we were part of the Christian community where we were, 
and there was really no glitch in any way to come here. It feels like we've been here forever, that we have known people here forever. And I think it is so much thanks to you and, and others plugging us in. And of course taking initiative, but it's, it's just been awesome to come here and be a part of this community. It's, it never was a glitch for us to move here. That's awesome. Thank you, Peter, and thank you for being honest. Thank you for the fika, and thank you, uh, thank you for teaching us a little, a little bit about what it means to serve. I need to teach another. you a little more, but I know, I know, I know. I'm working on it. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Love Peter. You, man. Love you. And because we're uh, such good friends, we we do like to make fun of each other. So, we do know that Norway is the is the master race, but we we won't share that with Peter. Okay, love you, man. You know what? Serving together can really it really what it did for us. It accelerated our relationship. Not just seeing each other on Sunday morning or or anything else, but it accelerated our relationship where we were spending time together, eating meals together, hanging out with our families together, working alongside one another. The third aspect, so we talked about growing in Christ uh, through our Life Together groups. We've talked about um, serving together. And the third aspect we want to just talk about a little bit today is being in a community of care, having mutual care for one another, that we really belong to one another. So when one of our parts hurts, the other part takes care of it. We do that with our own bodies, don't we? I mean, if, if we cut our foot our hands bandage it up. And we do that. And caring for one another. And there's a great illustration of a story that happened here at K2 where just tons of people came to the rescue of one family with care. So I want you to just take a look at the story today. Uh, it was 1991, I think. Is that right? And... Uh... I was a lawyer for the state and Dawn was just graduating from law school and I interviewed her for a, a clerking job and hired her. We got married in 1996 and um, Jim had um, two boys who were, well they were seven and nine when we got married and uh, they always lived with us half the time and then, then Jeffrey came along. Um, a while after that and he's going to be nine this weekend. Our real relationship with Christ, I think, evolved when we came to K2. At least it took a huge step forward for me. Don got involved with uh, Sunday morning team taking pictures. And Adventure Canyon. And I got involved with the art team and uh, life was life was good. September 26th of this year, I had ridden my motorcycle to work that day and uh, left work to get a haircut. And uh, coming back to work on 13th South, a delivery van had uh, made a U-turn, uh, just instantaneously pulled in front of me, crashed into it, and uh, I fell to the ground. And apparently the truck was in the uh, ongoing traffic lane, so backed up and backed over me and came to rest on my chest. 
and uh, actually at the time I didn't really know what had happened. I was just riding along and uh, just felt this huge crash like I'd run into a wall. I think from the moment he showed up at the ER, I think that um, the trauma team thought for several days he might die and nobody would tell me otherwise. He was in horrible condition. His face was just um, purple. He couldn't breathe, you know, just he was in incredible pain to even take the shallow breath. I mean, so it was even obvious looking at him that things were really bad. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but Don since told me how many people came the day of my accident while I was in intensive care and just came to pray. I remember um, something about the very occasion when my spleen ruptured, I, sort of foggy, but I remember the gurney going down the hallway and onto the elevator and uh, being in a fog, but I looked up and, and people were already there and I'll never forget that I just remember as clear as day, uh, Dave was looking down on me and Rut and Brad uh, because I mean these are all the guys that I've become close to. It just is an incredible feeling of support and being loved. And it was overwhelming. I didn't know that I knew so many people at K2. And that continued the two weeks in the hospital, the next two weeks in the nursing center. And while I was home, I had all kinds of people coming and calling. People started bringing meals. It started with uh, K2 has kind of a meals ministry. And that group of people started out by bringing us meals um, about every three days. In addition to that, we you know have other friends outside of the church who are also um, bringing meals to our house and looking after us and um, helping to look after our little boy. I mean, we have some friends who were just bringing Jeffrey to church for us because we couldn't go. We saw the body of Christ in action. And I even remember talking to, you know, again, trying not to go into names, but talking to Rut on the Sunday after Jim's accident. And it was the anniversary service, so it was a really big deal that day. And, you know, he was going to come up to the hospital. And, you know, as I said, I was having a really hard time receiving from people at that time and so I was saying oh no you're too busy you've got the anniversary service and he just stopped me cold in my tracks and um, this is something I remembered for the rest of, of Jim's crisis he just stopped me right there and he said Don this is church he said it's not about the anniversary service it's not about what music we're playing there he said this this is what church is we're, we're the body of Christ we're here for each other. And I just saw that played out, you know, from then on when we still see it played out. Things and jobs and, and things of this world, routines, um, are all secondary to, to the people and, and around you and your relationship with God. And, um, yeah, it, community takes on a new meaning it has for us. Until you're in community 
and you experience that for yourself, you don't know what you're missing. You probably think, as, as I probably used to think, um, that you're kind of doing okay on your own and you can, you can do all these things on your own and you maybe pride yourself on being independent, um, um, being able to get things done, but, but once you're in a community with people and you, know, you lift up other people, you allow other people to lift you up and do things for you, um, it, it brings a fullness and richness to your life that you didn't know was missing before. It's an amazing story. And um, I just want to say thank you to all of you who were a part of that story. Your names might not have been mentioned, but you made the meals, you made the visits, you prayed the prayers, you did it. You you became the community of care that they needed in their time of need. And there's this great passage of Scripture, it's just a short little verse in, in this little book called 1 John, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, that's referring to Jesus, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And just leave that verse up there. Just take a look at this. If we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, if we are really a, a Christ follower, and I don't know where you are in that, in that part of your life right now, but if we are really a Christ follower, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then what is the result? Not that we draw closer to Jesus, which we do. We build this relationship with Jesus, which we do. But the result is we have fellowship with one another. We are drawn closer to each other. That should be the end result. And get this. I found it odd that this was tacked on to the end of this verse. But then I thought about it. It says, and then the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And I thought, man, what if we were truly living in, in community with each other, caring for one another, like, like this happened with Jim and Don and Jeffrey and their family. That love and care really defeats sin. Love and care, it, the Bible says in another verse, love covers a multitude of sin. Love defeats sin. Truth defeats sin. If we're really in fellowship with one another, uh, grace that we give to one another, it defeats sin. Mercy defeats sin. Justice, selflessness, caring for one another, it defeats all those things that would want to destroy us. It defeats that. So what would really happen if every single person who came to K2 who said, all right, I'm going to do this Jesus thing. I, 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 some of you might be going, I have no idea what that means. Or, but this is something I want, <laughs> okay? Wherever we're at, what if that happened and we really believed that we belonged to each other? We really belonged to each other. That you belong to me and I belong to you. And I belong to that person who's hurting and in pain. And I, and I belong to that person when I'm in pain that they care for me. 
What if that really happened? What if we all took initiative to be in community? And we didn't say, oh, yeah, but I tried that before and it really didn't work out. And I tried that small group and it, 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 I didn't feel like I fit in. Or, or I, I got involved serving in this ministry and, and I just didn't feel like I was a part. The Bible never says, well, try it out. And if it doesn't work out for you, then you can forget about it all. You can stop caring about others. You can stop serving with each other. No, it doesn't say any of that. It says we still must continue. If we're walking in Jesus, we are walking in fellowship with each other. The two go hand in hand. We are walking together with him, and we are walking together with each other. So we're going to do a few little different things towards as we're wrapping up today. So hang with me. Remember, if you haven't eaten your cookie, you're, we're not done, okay? That's, that's the rule. We're going to take up our offering at this time. And this is a really an act of worship towards God and saying, I give you what, part of what, I ha- what you have given me. I give back to you my first fruits. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we follow his, his, his obedience to give of our finances to make sure the kingdom of God continues to go, that what God's doing here at K2 The Church continues to happen so we're going to take that up, but I want to pray over that first. And then when, when we're done with that, we're going, to, uh, we're going to talk about Legos. So let's pray first. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you have created us for community. From the very beginning, uh, you did not want to be alone, so you created man. And you didn't want man to be alone, so you created woman. And then you created the human race for us to, to multiply but also to be in community with one another. That's how you created us to be. So God, I just ask you that this year we will, we will own as individuals this initiative to walk together and we'll try things. I just pray that we'll try and if, it doesn't, if it's not working, we'll try again. We'll try again until we find the community that we're supposed to be a part of, that you've created us to be a part of, Jesus. I just ask you to just bless this this giving and this rest of this time together and the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.